your cake online. What's Baking Cake Nation? And welcome back to the Chemistry Cake Online Podcast, where chatting about chemistry has never been sweeter. Chemistry Cake is online, and today airs our fifth episode of our chemical education season. On our previous episode, we got to chat with Dr. Maria Gallardo-Williams about making chemistry more accessible by making laboratory video tutorials. Today's sweet guest receives his bachelor's in chemistry and secondary education at Southeast Missouri State University and got his PhD in chemical education research at Miami University in Ohio. He is now currently an assistant professor at Maine Maritime Academy. Folks, would you help me in giving a warm welcome to Dr. Justin Pratt? Justin, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm really good. Thanks for having me. We are, I'm so hyped to have you on the show. I'm very, very excited to talk about your research. Um, but before I do that, I got to mention that your favorite molecule, which is caffeine, uh, yes. is one of my top seven molecules. Yeah. And and you said that the reason why your favorite molecule is caffeine is because it got you through school. And first of all, I relate to that on a spiritual level. And secondly, I just wanted you to say more words about that because I feel like there's a great story behind it. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is. I mean, so when I was in my undergrad, I was planning to teach high school. And so I was very like um, focused on that. And so being a double major for my undergrad, you know, there was a lot of sleepless nights. Um, but most of the work that I was able to really get done is like at a coffee shop, mm -hmm. you know, that, that peer pressure of other people seeing you work makes you mm -hmm. stay focused a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I definitely like caffeine was really the only way that I could get everything done. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I decided I was going to go to grad school instead of teaching, I actually got a caffeine tattoo on my wrist, um, nice. because back in the day, you know, you weren't supposed to have tattoos if you were going to teach. And so I was very cautious about it. But then I was like, well, I'm going to college. I can get all the tattoos I want. And so now I have this really big caffeine molecule on my wrist. Um, so <laughs> students love to see it now. And they're like, well, how did you get through? You got a PhD in chemistry. And I'm like, yeah, there was a lot of coffee, and a lot of caffeine that helped that happen. <laughs> I love that. I was not, I was expecting a great story and I got it. And this is great. <laughs> I love this. Okay. So speaking of molecules and chemistry and teaching, uh, teaching folks about molecules and chemistry, chemical education is a pretty broad field. Uh, more narrowly would be chemical education research, which is what you say focused on improving the teaching and learning of chemistry. Right. Yeah. So what does your research specifically focus on? Yeah. So I kind of have two kind of threads of my research. Um, both in general are just about how do we improve the teaching and learning of chemistry. Um, and my main area is what's the, the official term would be informal science education or informal chemistry education. Mm -hmm. And really that just means the teaching of chemistry that we do outside of the classroom. And so for most of us in chemistry, we call it chemistry outreach. Mm -hmm. And so it's where we go and do you know, activities or demonstration shows with kids or the community with the goals of teaching them something. Maybe it's getting them excited and interested in science or chemistry. And so you have you know, college students do it as like volunteering with their, maybe you're in a, a chemistry club or something. Um, professors do it now 
you know, you might host a science day on your campus, you know, pre-COVID and, and everything. People used to do that kind of work. And so my research was focusing on trying to understand why do college students do outreach voluntarily? Um, what kind of, what are their goals for it? What do they get out of it? Um, and then once we kind of had that initial understanding, we kind of probed more deeply into thinking about what exactly happens at an, at an event and how do the chemistry content get translated to say for a second grader when, at your event? How do you kind of take your understanding of the chemistry and make it accessible to a second grader? Am I allowed to ask what actually does happen at these outreach events? Sure. Um, so the, the research I did, we didn't actually observe any events, um, but we did analyze some YouTube videos of events. And so typically what happens, um, someone might, uh, a lot of sh way outreach is done is as like a demonstration show, sometimes called a magic show. Mm -hmm. um, and so you might have like a, a gym or an auditorium full of kids and their parents, and you're on stage doing some cool flashy demonstration. Maybe you explode something, maybe you light something on fire. Maybe there's a really cool color change that happens. Um, and so it's typically really flashy and exciting um, demonstrations. And then depending on the group and the goals, the explanations of that vary. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's just, look at this cool thing, we blew it up. And other times it's, why did it blow up with a little more explanation in it. Mm -hmm. So would you say that the ones with the demonstrations with the more uh, in detail explanations, would that be more eff effective in communicating the science? I would say so. Um, what, what I studied initially was kind of what are the goals these college students say they have for their events? And so most of the college students talked about wanting to teach chemistry content at the mm -hmm. events. And so that's really something I honed in on is you say that you want to teach the content. So what do you actually do and how well do you understand it yourself? Mm -hmm. And so that's um, some of the papers that I've published has found that the college students don't actually have a really good conceptual understanding mm -hmm. of the chemistry that they're then teaching at these events. I see. So even if they do explain it, there's a chance that they're actually explaining it wrong. Oh. Um, and some, some, uh, people I interviewed actually are okay if the content's wrong, if the kids are young enough. They're so young, they won't know the chemistry's wrong, so we can just say it the easier way or something like that. So there's a lot of complexity here in who's the group, who's the audience, what do they say their right. goal is? I mean, and well, I so I am a science communicator, right? And I think that it's very important to, even if we pare down the science, for it to still be accurate. Um, so to be able to explain such a complex chemistry concept to a group of second graders might be extraordinarily challenging, but I still think it's important to, you know, communicate this accurately. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and I, I would say that the majority of the people I've interviewed as part of my work would agree with that. Um, the hard part is trying to align their goals with what they do. Mm -hmm. And so like some people will say their goal is to teach the content, but then when you ask them, like, how do you explain it? They don't actually explain it. There's no learning that actually happens. Right. And other times it's the opposite. They don't actually want the kids to learn content. They just want to have 
let them have a good time. Hopefully it changes their like perception of chemistry. And so mm -hmm. it's more positive, mm -hmm. but then they explain the chemistry super in depth. Mm -hmm. And so it's more about the alignment between their goals and what they're doing mm -hmm. as opposed to like one way is better than the other. Right. So how do we remedy then uh, this disalignment of their goals and what they're doing? That's a great question. <laughs> that, that's where my research is going right now is mm -hmm. I'm trying to set up some sort of training programs. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, like college students, you're not trained to be a teacher. You're not right. trained necessarily in best communication of science either. Um, and so how do you develop these skills when you're going to go into this outreach environment where now suddenly you're a teacher? Might not feel that way, but you're leading a demonstration and you're explaining something to an audience. So you are a teacher. And so it's more how do we help develop those kind of skills and understanding? And so my current, my current training focus is really trying to help people actively align their goals with what mm -hmm. they do. And so that the, the, I could throw some education jargon at you, but it's more about starting off with the goal and using that to decide what you do. Mm -hmm. um, and what I think a lot of at least college students are doing is they pick the demo they want to do because it's cool mm -hmm. or exciting. Right. And then they like retroactively try to figure out how to make that fit with what they want to do. Right. Okay. So what would the training look like? Yeah, so um, currently what I've been doing is there's this, there's a framework um, that was given out by the National Academies. They have a, a report about effective uh, chemistry communication in informal environments. Um, so it's a, it's a couple, it's a maybe five years old now. Um, but the first half of it kind of summarizes what's known about science communication um, and what are kind of best practices. And then the second half gives a framework about how to approach planning and implementing an event. And so I've really been honing in on that framework as a basically a scaffold for these trainings. Mm -hmm. And really, the, the college students, they didn't even know this framework existed. Right. So like that's like the big hurdle is just getting them aware that there's work out there in education that would help you in what you want to do. Um, but the framework, if, if you've ever taught, it's not like a, a life-changing framework. It's mm -hmm. like set a goal, decide how you're going to meet that goal, decide how you're going to get evidence that you met the goal. What's your evaluation right. of that? And then how do you reflect on it to restart that process? Right. And so it's not a life-changing goal, but most students haven't thought about it mm -hmm. because they're not trained to be teachers. And so teaching them about this framework and then um, the first training um, of the series that I've really kind of worked out is focused on writing goals. Um, so some people might call them learning objectives or learning outcomes, right. but what's the goal for the event? What do you want right. the student, what do you want the kids to get out of it? If it's to have fun, well, let's pick flashy demos that are fun. Right. If it's to learn, you know, the difference between solids, liquids, and gases, well, let's pick a demo that easily does that as opposed to one that's really fun but it's hard to see those connections right wow that's so cool because like i was when i was an undergrad at southeast missouri state i did outreach like every weekend it was like what got me excited it, it helped me de-stressed i had fun with it 
but I had never really thought about any of this before. And I was training to be a high school teacher at the time. Right. It was just, I want to do this really cool demo because I know the kids will like it and I have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get the perspective. And so it's trying to change that now to being more purposeful about what we do and why. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm currently at is trying to develop like a training program with like maybe like a series of five meetings to go through okay. different aspects of maybe that framework um, and going through just writing goals, collecting evidence. And so evidence could be a survey. It could be the number of kids that raised their hand that said they had fun. It doesn't have to be some in-depth data collection or something, um, right. but helping people realize that you can still get data, even if it's how many kids smiled and seemed happy, you mm-hmm. know, some sort of metric there. That's so cool. So yeah, it's... we were, there's, a, there's not a lot of people that have done this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the, like the literature on outreach in, in general, it's mostly here's how to do outreach. Here's mm. a demo. Here's a procedure. Here's a, a model for a camp you could do, but there hasn't really been a lot of like scholarly work trying to mm-hmm. understand what are people doing? How are they doing it? How can we improve it? And so are they my, my dissertation was kind of the first that's dived into this area because mm-hmm. we know everyone, if you're in a chemistry department, you've probably done outreach before, right? either as a student, as a faculty, as a grad student, people do outreach. It's just kind of ingrained in our discipline. But now it's trying to understand what people are doing. Why do they do it? That's where my work is focusing in on. So it's less about the what to do, but why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I ha- there was like some pushback originally when I started this work because some people felt like it was gonna like scold people like you should be teaching chemistry at your events why aren't you doing that you know and making people feel like they're doing not good work mm-hmm. and it's really just trying to change that message into aligning your goals and with what you do right and so some people have a very strong reaction to saying you should teach kids chemistry content at an outreach event Because their perspective, it's not supposed to be that way. It's just supposed to be like helping them see that minorities can be scientists, women can be scientists, that science isn't a scary discipline. Right, right. And so it's it's just helping people kind of articulate their goal Mm -hmm. and letting and helping them match that to what the actions they do. Mm, I see. Yes. So it's very motivation based. Right. That's so cool. Wow. Oh man. And you can uh, you can think how complex it could get cuz like some people do outreach with the general community. So that mm-hmm. means you could have adults there, you could have little kids there. So how do you set a goal when your your population that you're going to reach is so widespread? Mm-hmm. While other groups, you know, they might go to a high school classroom at the local high school. So it's a very smaller group of people with a similar background. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's how do you manage all of that? Because it can get really complex depending on who's in your audience. And that right. theoretically should dictate what you do or how you explain something. But how many, like, how many college students know what's an acceptable like chemistry to explain to a second grader as opposed to an eighth grader? Mm, yeah. Do you have no training in it? There's no courses you take as a chemistry student to tell you that. Right. 
And so that's right. another piece of the training is helping them just understand kind of where's, where's the boundary lines between like someone that's in the middle school versus elementary school and what might be appropriate depth for your explanation for them. Right, right. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it's been pretty fun. I, we interviewed people from across the country um, and so it was, it was back before Zoom became like the end all be all and everyone's used to it. Um, <laughs> it was back when like people had like Skype and, you know, Google Meets. We were trying to like develop methods to let us interview people where we couldn't actually meet them in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that COVID's happened, that the novelty of that work has kind of gone away because everyone's gone onto these online platforms like this. Right. Uh well, Justin, thank you so much for uh, for chatting with me. This is actually really cool. Um, and I think the work that you're doing is incredible, uh, but it does look like we are nearing the end of our discussion. Of course, though, not before I ask the most important question. Are you ready for it? Yes. Okay. What is your favorite cake flavor and why? So I'm a... I'm an equal opportunist when it comes to dessert. So mm-hmm. cake and pie are both my go-tos. Mm-hmm. Um, I would pick pie over cake. I know, <laughs> it's sacrilege. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but but if, if I'm going to pick cake, it's going to be the, the moistest chocolate cake you could ever get. Amazing. So, the, so there better be chocolate chips in there. It better mm-hmm. be moist. It better have some frosting that's chocolate. Because mm-hmm. we're going to go into the deep end if we're going cake. Yes. Absolutely. Ice cream with that cake? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> all right. All right. That's fair. Well, so what then, I'm curious, because you mentioned pie. What is your favorite pie flavor? Oh, lemon meringue pie. Uh, yes. That like sweet and tart combination. Yes. Yeah. And I will say I never actually tried it until maybe like three months ago. Mm-hmm. So I kind of overdid it for a little bit. So now I'm burnt out, but mm-hmm. it is definitely my go-to pie. An excellent choice. Yeah. Oh, Justin, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. Um, and to the listeners at home, thank you for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed our chat as much as we did. If you would like to follow the many adventures of Dr. Justin Pratt, you can follow him on Twitter at Justin Pratt JP, which will be uh, linked in the description. And if you would like to partake in the hype and hop aboard the hype train, choo choo, you are welcome to follow me on Twitter at Chemistry Cake. Folks, this is our last episode of the season. Uh, thank you once again for joining me in some really incredible discussions. I hope you continue to be hype about chemistry. That being said, Uh, Chemistry Cake will be offline for a short hiatus, really just for the duration of summer, um, to focus on research among other things. But don't worry, I will be rejoining you in the fall. So until then, feel free to revisit any of the older Learnful episodes, like the cake debates or any other chemistry season. Well, folks, that's all I've got for you today. This is your friendly reminder to stay hydrated, to keep the hype alive, and to edify our village. Remember to be kind to yourselves and to others. Thanks for tuning in, Cake Nation. This is Chemistry Cake, signing off.